0: you know on my uh, on my fifteenth anniversary um, I wanted to plan this incredible date and uh, I wanted it to be really good so i i, I uh, went to this restaurant called Chevers in Oklahoma City and Rob and I were living there at the time and and it's a really cool restaurant and and i I went early to set up the table and so i put all uh, i was on my way i had uh Pictures of our wedding day, pictures of our kids, and all these things. And um, and um, I stopped to get fifteen roses. And when I stopped, I I, I got it. Looks so beautiful. But I I was I, my truck at the time was a regular cab five speed Ford F one fifty. So it was and it was five o'clock traffic. I'm I'm rushing to try to get there. And. Um, and as I'm trying to shift and manage, I, I'd put the flowers in my lap because I didn't have a place for them. And so when I did, I was shifting, in a, and, and it was just kind of cumbersome, and they and they fell over. And I was like, oh, my goodness. And I looked at it, and one of the roses, the tops of the heads, broke. I was like, "Dad, it! I was so mad because I didn't have time to go back. I, everything had to be perfect. and And so... I'm driving, and I'm going, what am I going to do? I don't have time to do this. I had to write in this journal. I got this journal, and I was going to write some things, and I didn't have time to go back. And I, So I get to the restaurant, and I'm thinking to myself, what can I do? What can I do? And I said to the waitress that was helping me set the table, I said, do you have any scotch tape? And uh, and she goes, yeah, we do. And so so I was like, let me have some. So I So I taped this rose up, and she's looking at me like, that's really nice there, buddy. And, uh, and, and I was like, that's the best I could do. And I'm looking at it. And I thought, it's, it's perfect. God really spoke to me in this moment. As I was looking at those 14 perfect roses, and then I looked at that one that was taped up, God reminded me, remember that season where you had to repair your marriage. And I, and I got the journal out. This, I bought it that day. And I had written that day 15 stones of remembrance uh, that I wanted to share with Robin that night. I want to read you stone number two. And I said to her, look at that rose. I said, that rose is my favorite, Robin. And I wrote... Um, That rose represents the repair of our marriage. Men from Council Road who sent me to a counselor. Summer 2004, high school camp. I was the leader of our high school camp. The moment our marriage tremor occurred. The genuine restoration and passion that began following that time. The broken rose on our 15th anniversary date that sparked this stone of remembrance. And you know, when I, when I think about that date, it, it was really a motivator for this series. As I look back on what, where God has had us over the last nine weeks, This is the last message in this series called I Choose You. And it's been my prayer for us as a church that we get a vision that God has for marriage. You know, I'm tired of of following the world's plan for life. And and, you know, the reality is when I think about, about even us in the church, we've been influenced by the world. And we've forgotten that we're the ones that are supposed to be the influencer. And, and when we follow Christ, when we follow the word of God, a lost world looks at us and says, you know what, I need that. Because the lost world needs the gospel. They need Jesus. And, and you know, it's been my prayer for us as a church that we get in one another's way. And we say, well, wait a minute, let's, let's look at God's plan for marriage. Let's live out God's plan for our marriage. You know, uh, we've been, if you've been with us, if you're new today, what we've been doing over the last really nine weeks, we've been in two passages of Scripture, Matthew 19, 1 through 12, Mark chapter 10, 1 through 12. Turn to Mark chapter 10 if you have your Bibles. This is a description, Matthew's account and Mark's account, when Jesus was confronted by the Pharisees. And as, as, he was conf- as they confronted him, they were really trying to trick him. And we've, we've, we, we've been in the context of this passage. We've understood that the context of this passage was they, they were tricking Jesus to push him into a corner on his stance on divorce. And what Jesus does, he masterfully, he he didn't fall into their trap because he was God with skin on. That's who Jesus was. He was was there at the beginning. I mean, Jesus was God and and is God, and and he's the second person in the the Trinity, and this is who we understand him to be. The Bible reveals this. And and Jesus um, didn't fall for their trap. And what he did is instead of just really getting backed into a corner, answering the question about divorce, what he does is he reveals uh, this vision that God has for marriage. And it's one that we need to have. Because us, in our day, just like the day of the Pharisees, they were looking for the easy way out. They were, they were just very quick to follow their own path. They, they didn't have a high enough view of marriage. And many for, for many of us in our culture, we don't either. And that's why we've stopped and said, "God, we want you to shape us." Now would you stand with me and let's read the text today? in Matthew, chapter, or excuse me Mark chapter 10, 1 through 12. And Jesus left there and went to the region of Judea and beyond the Jordan, and crowds gathered to him again. And again, as was His custom, he taught them. And the Pharisees came up, and in order to test him, asked, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? And he answered them, What did Moses command you? They said, Moses allowed a man to write a certificate of divorce and to send her away. And Jesus said to them, Because of your hardness of heart, he wrote you this commandment. But from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female, therefore... Thank you, you may be seated. Now, now the, the big thing that we've, I've, I, I pray that we have caught over the last nine weeks, and I, and I pray we don't miss it, and if you have your notes, I'd love for you to follow along, because what we're going to do today is just kind of bring together what we've, where we've been over the last ten weeks, or nine weeks, where, where, what we've been studying, what has God been saying to us, and, and I, I want to list all ten, ten things that God has been saying to us, but the one, if you're going to, if there's one thing I want want us to remember, one thing I want us to embrace, it's this, that a biblical marriage is a covenant relationship, not a consumeristic contract. And that's the one thing I pray we get. If, if you don't remember any of these ten things that we're going to look at today, if you don't remember anything about this series that, that we've been in as we've wrestled and looked deeply into the, these two passages for For nine weeks. I pray that we get the idea that marriage is a covenant. It's this covenant that you've made. If you've gotten married, you stood before God and before people. And you made a promise to the Lord. And without apology, God expects us to keep it. And God calls us to keep it. And you know what? God helps us keep it. And I love that about the Lord, that he helps us. And I I pray that we we don't fall into this trap that we're in today, and and it's been a historic trap, that that marriage is this consumeristic relationship, that, that I'll stay in it as long as you meet my needs. But that's not the call of marriage. Marriage is a covenant relationship that we stay together regardless of the circumstance. And I think back about my marriage, and I'm so grateful for my wife. For the way that God allowed her to forgive me, you know my journey back then. I was in pursuit of a career. I was I was I was so focused on advancing in my career. Now the the, the dangerous part of that, my career was ministry. My career was serving the Lord, and you know what? It's, it's, it's this twisted uh, thing that happened that I I began to put ministry as an idol. I mean, this is a good thing, right? But it became this idol in my life, and I began neglecting what my father-in-law said to me, what Paul said to me at my wedding. He warned me at my wedding. And one of the points at my wedding that I've never forgotten, he said, Chris, with the world on your heart, don't forget your first ministry, which is your family. Because I honestly, I'll be honest with you, one of the things that I have, God has put in my life, and it's been this way for a long time, I've had the world in my heart. But I slipped into a time where I neglected my first ministry, which is my family. And thankfully, God moved in my life. Now, look at verse 4. Jesus said, He said, or excuse me, verse verse 6, excuse me. But from the beginning of creation, as Jesus painted this picture, from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Verse 9, what therefore God has joined together, let not man separate. So what have we, that's what we've been doing. That's what's been my prayer for us as a church, that we we embrace this. We say, God, how do we make this relationship endure? How do we follow you for a lifetime? How do we embrace the gift of marriage for a lifetime? Well, let me just give you the ten things that we've studied over the last nine weeks. Number one, forgive one another freely. This is is a call in marriage that that we've looked at this, that that to hold fast to one another, we're called to forgive one another freely. In marriage, it's interesting because we see one another at our very, very best and our very, very worst. I can't hide who I really am in front of my wife. She can't hide who she really is. We see when we get married that we were two imperfect people that were naturally me-centered. But see, God, and I hear this all the time, oh, well, I need to get out of this marriage because God wants me to be happy. Let me tell you something. God wants you to be holy, not happy. And, and you know, in my life, uh, the, and here's what I've discovered, and let me, let me say this, that when I live in holiness, I am most happy. But we have this worldly view of, oh, this self-centered, me-centered. And see, marriage is not that way. It calls me to forgive Robin freely. And, 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 we, 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 and, and when I do this, when I forgive, I recognize that understanding is this lifelong process. I'm, I'm spending a lifetime learning to speak Robin. I'm spending a lifetime um, learning to understand her. In my life, anger has to be eradicated. In so many marriages, we let anger rule in us. And we've got to put that away, put that away from us and you know it it's 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 calls me to think before i speak to to learn when to keep my mouth shut these these are this is what it means to forgive one another freely that we watch what we say that that I, and you know can i tell you that that a marriage that honors the lord it begins with a relationship with christ you need jesus in your life and and when you know forgiveness you are compelled to offer forgiveness in marriage, we're to forgive one another freely. Number the second covenant marriage. Well, it, it it you you've got to establish community with God's people. I mean, I look back at when when I was struggling and 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 I didn't even, I mean I didn't realize it. And here we are. I'm serving the Lord, and and a guy comes to my house and he says, Chris, your wife is hurting, and you don't have a clue. And he said to me. You're not going to have a marriage or a ministry in five years if you don't stop what you were doing. And I stopped. I thought, oh, my goodness. Is he right? But, but I was living in community. I, I, I wasn't just going to church not knowing people. People knew my life. They knew where I was. They knew what I was doing. They, they knew my practices. And they were, they were bold enough to say, hey, look, I'm going to get in your way. That's what community is. This is what being a church is, that, that, that we're to get in one another's way without apology and say, look, I want to stop you when you're going in the wrong direction. I want to help you when you're in need. And that's why this morning was so important as, as these families recognize there is a, an entire church that's in support that will help them. Gosh, that's a joy. You've got to establish community. And, and what does that mean? You're, you're learning to pray together. You're, you're, you're worshiping together. We're, we're engaged in God's word together, and, and we listen to the word of the Lord. We serve together. And this is what it looks like. You know, I love Proverbs 25, 27, 5, and 6. says this, better is open rebuke than hidden love. Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. When I think about this proverb, how important it is to recognize that so, if, if we're really friends, if someone really cares about you, they're going to be willing to wound you if you need, to, if you need it. And we got to hear that, you know, which leads to number three, that, that to embrace accountability in marriage. We've seen this, that, that, that when I look at my, my marriage, Robin is one of the best accountability partners I've ever known. Because she sees me. She's been there in those moments that that if you would have been there, you would have said, that's my pastor? Really? She's been there in those moments where it's been the greatest success that you would say, wow, that's my pastor. But see, in marriage, we have to embrace the accountability that God has given us. So often you see couples that, that start rejecting that accountability. I don't want you to know where I am. I don't want you to see what's on my phone. I don't want you to see the messages, the text messages that I'm getting, or check my Facebook. Okay, Facebook's on the Internet, right? Okay, come on, people. The reality is we've got to embrace accountability. Accountability. I love Proverbs 17, 17, iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. And that's one of the things we've embraced over this series is that we recognize the joy of accountability in marriage. Fourth thing, we've learned this, that we should date consistently. You should spend time together and put your phone away and don't go to a restaurant with your wife and sit there and text or look at your phone. That bugs me. You know, you ought to say, "Honey, I love you." Put your phone down. Let's right here. Come on, you and me. Come on, let's let's engage. Date consistently. Can I just be honest with you? I'll tell you something about my my day yesterday. My wife, she's she smiles all the time. Everybody says that. Oh, she smiles all the time. It's because she's married to me, right? No, I, I always <laughs> say that, but um, but she said yesterday we're sitting on the couch. Oh, you games on. I'm enjoying the day, and it's just great. And she goes, you know what, honey? It's been a while since you've taken me on a date. It's time that you ask me to go on a date. I was like, hmm, okay. You know what that is? That's red flag. It's time to go on a date. Guess what we're going to do this week? Honey, would you go on a date with me? Okay, we're going to go on a date this week. You should date consistently. You know, that whole idea of Ephesians 5.21, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Incredible verse. Date consistently. Number five, develop a healthy sex life. You know, I I got an email this week from one of our senior adults, and she said, did you notice how quiet it got last week when you started your message? I said, no, I didn't. If you did not hear last week's message, it would be worth your time to go back and listen to it. It's on the website. One of, our, one of my son's friends said that I said the word sex 86 times yes, last week, okay? Maybe I was a little nervous too talking about it, but the reality is we got to get over that. And, and I'll tell you, I, I pray that we recognize that even though last week was uncomfortable for many, and I'll be honest with you, I, I, I'd never preached a sermon, or I, I, I'd never heard a friend of mine preach a sermon like that last week. What I did last week. But can I? Can I? Can we hear this? This conviction that that I have, and that that we're not going to let Hollywood, popular culture, or the latest trends to become our master teacher on sex. We need to allow God's word to shape us. And we need to recognize and teach our children that God has a plan for this. And and in our marriages, we need to develop a biblical view of sex and a healthy sex life. And 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 I pray you go listen to that message. Like I said last week, sexual desires are normal. Desires force choices. Wise choices lead to life. Poor choices lead to pain. And if we follow the world's example in our marriages, we're going we're to think that the Fifty Shades of Grey plan is right. When God's plan is so much better. Because see, following Jesus is not about rules. It's about life. And God has come that we might have life and to, and to have not just life, abundant life. And I pray that we, as a church, as in our marriages, can develop a healthy sex life. Number six, and I pray we see this, that, that we should work to win each other's heart. That in, in marriage, you should work to win, win the heart of your spouse. And I remember when I realized in my journey that, that I, I just was in pursuit of a career. And I had forgotten to do those things like, like make Robin laugh or, or like leave little notes for her like I did when we were dating or, or um, do those things that surprised her. And and you know what I'd, I'd done? We'd gotten into the normalcy of life and kids and 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 you know diapers and we were in the just work and and she was teaching, or no, she was staying at home, she was a stay-at-home mom then, and 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 we were just in the middle of it was busy, just life. And I had realized, oh my goodness, I just stopped trying to win her heart. And then when I started again and I started trying to win her heart again, I thought, man, I really like this. I really like her. I want to win her heart. Men, can I challenge you with your wife? Work to win her heart this week. Do something this week to get that. Wow, thank you. Thank you for doing that. See, we, we've, I pray that the Lord helps us recognize to to work to win each other's heart. Ephesians 5, 22 through 26 says, Wives, submit to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is head of the wife, as Christ is head of the church, his body of which he is now the Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Verse 25. I'm still trying to wrap my head around this. Husbands, love your wives just as, as Christ loved the church, and gave himself up for her. That you're to love your wife and show her that kind of love, the kind of love that Christ showed for his church. And when I think about what Jesus did for for the church, for us, he knew we were sinners, and yet Jesus came and died for us. I pray that we would remember this. And we work to win each other's heart. Number seven, we plan with the end in mind. You know, we plan with the end. We realize that that God intends for every marriage to stay together. That we run the race that's marked out for us. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. Therefore, since we have such a large crowd of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race marked out for us, keeping our eyes on Jesus, the source and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that laid before him endured the cross, despised the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of God's throne, that God calls us to run our race of marriage, our race of life with perseverance and endurance. And you know what? You may say, Chris, it's tough in our marriage right now. Okay, every marriage goes through that, but we are to run with perseverance and endurance and we're to never quit and never give up. God intends for every marriage to stay together. And like Tim Keller said in his book, that if you right now are in an unhappy spot, Statistics show that two-thirds of marriages that are unhappy right now, if they stayed together in the next five years, would move to happiness. And I pray that you see this. Number eight, we've talked about this, that, that we should establish clear boundaries. There's got to be boundaries in our work. There's got to be ra- boundaries in our relationships. There's got to be boundaries with our technology, and, and there's incredible tools out there that, that we're to hold one another accountable, to put those boundaries. There, are, there ought to be boundaries on your Facebook. There are people. Some of you' got to go you should go home before right now. you should go home today and block them from your Facebook because you know it's dangerous for you. Some of you may be in pursuit. Of another person. And you know what I believe God is saying to you? Stop. Put a boundary up. Don't do it. Psalm 16, 5 and 6, incredible verse to memorize. Lord, you have assigned my portion or my cup. You've made my lot secure. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. And can I tell you the inheritance God has for you is better than what you think. Establish boundaries. Number nine, we've looked at this. You ought to live within your means. You know you ought to you ought to not spend more money than you have and and we we articulated this that that, that we have to have giving goals what, what are your goals for giving you'll never outgive God and 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 you should become a tither I'm reading a book right now and, and this uh, the, uh, the the authors it's called Bounty and he says um, uh, McKenzie and someone I can't remember the other name but but he says I've never met a former tither. And I thought that, that's an incredible statement because once you start tithing, you realize, man, I'll never stop this. You ought to live within your means, have the giving goals. You ought to have saving goals. Are you saving your money? We have Financial Peace University that, that we teach in our church. You ought to get into that. You ought to hear that. You ought let, to let God's word teach you about finances. You ought to have a goal where, where you... You, you, you have spending goals. Some of us are spendings out of control. We've got to learn to not spend sometimes. You live within your means. Number 10, and I want you to hear this. Choose to be content with your life. Choose to be content. You know, our, it's this, so many of us are tempted with the idea that the grass is greener on the other side of the fence, and I want you to know that's a lie. I, I want you to hear what Paul said to Colossians, the book, to the church at Colossae, in Colossians three fifteen through nineteen. Listen to this: Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Let the peace of Christ. I mean, think what the world is throwing at us. The world's saying, look, you need what what it's offering. No, God says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of the body, you were called to peace, excuse me, and be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another along, excuse me, as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. Look at that attitude of gratitude that, look, I've got, Lord, you've given me enough. You've provided, and and we're, we're, we're grateful. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And then he says, wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives, and do not be harsh with them. It's interesting that when Paul addresses the church at Colossae, he's saying, saying, look, be be content. Be grateful for all that God has done for you, all that God has given you. And then he challenges husbands. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. Husbands, love your wives. Don't be harsh with them. You know, sometimes we're harsh, men. And and God calls us to never be harsh with the bride that he's given us. You know, the reality is, I pray that we hear this, that God is calling us to a covenant marriage. Let's embrace it. Let's hear it. Let's follow him you know, we're going to have an invitation. And I don't know how God has spoken to you today. But if you need Jesus, I'm so proud of Ava getting baptized today. Ava is my daughter's doubles partner. So they're going to get better this year because Jesus is with them both now. I'm I'm just kidding. But, But you know what? I'm so proud of her for telling the world, look, Jesus saved me. He saved me. An eighth grade girl boldly got up and said, Jesus is my Savior. I need him. I'll tell you what, you, you can't make it in your marriage or in your life without Jesus. So would you, let's, let's come to him. Whether you're saved or not, come to Jesus. Let's follow him.